Warning. Crime Convo features potentially triggering content about real-life crimes. There will be content such as violence, crimes against children, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and death. Listener and parental discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to Crime Convo. Come and join the conversation. Today is going to be a little different than our normal. Um, Destiny will not be with us today. She had um, a family situation come up. So this episode is just going to be Nikki and I. Um, Today, I am going to casually drink a beatbox. Uh, For those of you that don't know, it's literally like a cardboard carton kind of thing. Uh, they are 11.1% alcohol, hence the casually drink one of these. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so, because otherwise uh, you might not even get through For real. This and it is Thursday, <laughs> so I do still have to work tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am over here drinking the typical White Claw, of course. This one's Black Cherry. Ooh. So. Those white claws come in clutch. Oh, maybe I didn't actually open this. Us and our white girl wasted white girl drinks. Wasted drinks. That we normally have other than your I'm going to get real messed up drink over there. <laughs> that is not my goal today. My goal is the exact opposite. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so today um, I am bringing the case of Nia Wilson from Oakland, California. Um, this is another one. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we had to kind of quickly come up with something um, to fill into this episode. So I apologize ahead of time if it's pieces are missing. Um, but this is another one of the episodes from Text Me When You Get Home, which I know I've like talked about it before. But that show is just so good. It's such a good show. I haven't seen an episode that I haven't liked. Um it's really real. Oh my huh? gosh. It really, really. What is it on? Uh, it's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. Okay. I need to watch yeah, it. Yeah. And the, I mean, the title of it, it's like hashtag text me when you get home. And it's just, it's an amazing show. It's terrifying, but it's amazing. Um, this particular episode, I think it's uh, interesting tying into or coming from the last episode. Um, you know, this, the like the claims of women going anywhere and doing anything, having to be worried, um, you know, and I know that it was, it was brought to my attention prior in a conversation that I had had with a family member of mine, that there is a concern of like doing this and bringing these to the internet world is, you know, going to attract, you know, violence or crimes against us or attacks against us or whatever. But this is one of those cases that is a prime example of why, I, I am personally of relative disagreeance, and that is, you know, Nia and her sisters, you'll obviously learn about the details of it. Like, we're minding their own business on a, any day, doesn't matter, you know, and something happened to them. They weren't doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. They weren't posting about crimes or anything. So, you know, this just kind of proves that you don't have to be doing this kind of stuff to be worried about it in our world. So, yeah, it could literally happen to anybody, anytime, mm-hmm. anyplace, anywhere. Mm-hmm. If someone is on a mission and their brain is that messed up, they're going to do it. It doesn't, if you become their target, then. Exactly. I mean, it's horrible and sad, but they're going to do it to whoever regardless. Yeah. And this particular case, too, is another one of those that, um, you know, dumbest criminals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and it's, I, I don't know. I just, let's get into it. Okay. So. It is um, Ju- Come on. Uh, July 22nd of 2018, so really a few years ago. Uh, Nia was 18 at the time. She had just graduated the December prior from um, Oakland High School. Uh, she was a beloved daughter, a sister, and a friend. Um, she was described by her sister Latifa as the, the s- most sweetest person on earth. She didn't do anything to anyone. Uh, She was an aspiring rapper and loved music. 
Her father answer said, when I think of Nia, I think of sunshine, big, bright, beautiful smile. Uh, she, yeah, she's the youngest of nine in a blended family. Um, her mother has four of the nine, including Nia. Um, she does live in Oakland with her father. Tashaya is two years older than her. And then Latifa, I believe it was like seven years older. Um, so she was 26 at the time. Um, her father described her as a daddy's girl. You know, she'd call, dad, can you pick me up? Dad, can you take me here? You know, she's definitely a daddy's girl. Um, she was always a girl who checked in with calls or texts. Uh, she was really good about telling people where she was, where she was going. Um, that way, you know, people knew when to expect her. Police described Oakland as an area with lots of poverty, therefore lots of crime. Uh, her father said that basically it isn't all bad, but it has its areas, and that didn't seem to deter Nia from going out and doing things. Two years prior to this incident, so in 2016, Nia's boyfriend and a friend of his died in a boating accident. At that memorial, Nia was standing next to a girl who was doing some kind of dance routine when that girl was shot. Um, Nia had comforted her until paramedics arrived. Um, she did succumb to her injuries, and the shooter was never located or identified in that particular case. So that I think was, oh yeah, that I think was brought up as an example of it's, it's, so she's had some tragic things happen around her at a really young age. Though. Yeah. Well, and I think the the point in that was to prove that it's not the best area. Yeah. But, you know, like, she was still living her life, though. Like, I didn't grow up in the greatest either area either, but I was still out, like, you know, living my life. Because if we all just lived in fear all the time, we would just be locked up in our house mm -hmm. every day, all yeah. day, if we were scared of everything out in the yeah. world. Because, yes, there is a lot of evil out there, but... You can't let it control what you are or aren't doing with your life because things are going to happen no matter mm -hmm. what. Well, in this this particular case, I remember when I watched it, um, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, just, just, girl, just wait. Just wait until we get into this. So, mm. on this particular day, um, Nia, Latifa, and Tashaya were going to their aunt's house, their, their father's sister, in Concord, California. Uh, it was going to be a celebration of life for Teresa, who had a terminal illness before Teresa died. So they wanted to celebrate her life while she was still living, which I thought was was really cute. And they were going to take BART Transit, which is Bay Area Rapid Transit, which is primary transit from Oakland to Oakland and the San Francisco area. So this is Northern California. Um, think of it kind of like the light rail for Washington. It's just a quick little train system that goes between all of those. The sisters had all ridden the BART train system for years, um, but Tashaya had said that Nia hated it. Like, she would much rather ride the bus than ride the BART transit system. Don't really know why, but she, you know, she rode it with them for, for that particular ride. They were supposed to get a ride home from this celebration of life, um, but the person that was going to take them home to have them to leave early. And they ended up basically staying a lot later. So the girls ended up letting their dad know that they were going to be there late and they were going to have to take the BART home instead of getting a ride home. So here is when things go south. So the three sisters got to the Concord BART station at about 9 p.m. Um, the train station has stairs that go up to the platform where the trains are. And they had basically gotten up there and got on to their first train at about 9.15. At 9.25, Latifa calls their dad and lets him know that they were close to the MacArthur station, which is like a central hub, and that's where they would switch the trains. So that BART arrives at about 9.35 p.m. to the MacArthur station, and the girls get off. From what I could gather, it was a really quick transit. Like, they got there, they got off the train, waited maybe a couple of minutes, and got on the train. Tashaya was the first to get on the train. So, the doors opened. There was, like, some people that wasn't super crowded. Um, what's important, I guess, through this is every all of this, this whole thing was caught on CCTV. So, Tashaya was the first person to get on the train. Nia and Latifa were behind her. 
Um, They were waiting for a woman with a stroller to exit. Tashaya, on the train, then sees Nia fall into the train, bleeding from the neck. Um, she's been attacked. They, they're all dumbfounded. Wait, what? Yeah, they're all dumbfounded at the large wound that was found on her neck. And, I mean, she was bleeding everywhere. Like, it was a serious wound, and they just didn't know what happened. Um, the train doors closed, and then they reopened. Latifa had grabbed Nia's neck on the platform, and Tashaya gets off. So Tashaya calls her dad, screaming. Nia got stabbed on Bart. Um, their dad, who was at a friend's house having dinner, only caught her saying Bart. So he immediately left his friend's house and went to the train station that he knew that they were going to be at. So at 9.39, officers at the station call 911. So their train, they got off of the train at 9.35. At 9.39, the officers at the station call 911. And then they noticed that Latifa was also stabbed in the, in the neck. Blood at this point is all over the platform because Latifa was bleeding. Uh, Nia was bleeding. Latifa was bleeding at holding her own neck while also holding Nia's neck as well. At 9.58 p.m., their father, Answer, arrives and he noticed that there were police everywhere. There were ambulances, fire trucks. Latifa was being loaded onto an ambulance. She then told her father to go check on Nia. Tashaya was outside at this point, screaming and crying and just being unconsolable. Answer goes upstairs to see Nia on the ground, covered with a tarp, as she had already passed away. Her carotid artery and her jugular vein had been severed, and she bled out on the platform in less than two and a half minutes. So it was Mia that fell out first? I thought Letitia was the one that fell out first. Um, so... Tashaya was on the train first, and then Nia was second onto the train, and Latifa was right behind her. So Tashaya got onto the train, Nia fell into the train, and then Latifa followed behind and followed. The, all of the girls got off. Okay, I'm just I'm trying to like picture it yeah. in my head. Media was already there when Answer went back down off of the platform, and they just immediately like ran up to him and started started asking him questions and you can hear Tashaya wailing in the background she's like they're they're on the street level and there's like a bus stop or something kind of on the street right under the train station answer then described how he had to call Alicia Nia's mother and told her that Nia had died uh, and that Latifa was headed to the hospital Alicia then left Sacramento. I believe she said it was like a 20-minute drive. I could be wrong. She left Oakland to go to the hospital to be with Latifa. They didn't know anything about how she was. They, I mean, obviously, Answer knew that she was talking when she left. About one hour after the attack, the families of the hospital waiting on a status, and police are just like, what just happened? They knew that two girls got stabbed. One was, one was dead. Latifa is thankfully very quickly in stable condition. Um, she had no idea how Nia was at this point, though. So she described how her father had to tell her that her sister had died. Tashaya was suffering from acute physical and mental trauma, obviously. Um, she was she had thankfully called some friends. She she explained how she had fainted a couple of times and her friends finally just picked her up, got her in the car, took her to the hospital. Well, yeah, after seeing that, who would be able to hold themselves together at, at all. all you just watch people that you love be murdered and you don't even really know at the same all time. of this happened within seconds like one second you're minding your own business getting on a train and then the next minute you're stabbed in the neck yeah by for no apparent reason yeah obviously. but you don't know who you don't know where they are you don't know where they came from you nothing and it's, like, terrifying the details that come out about this guy. And, oh, God. It's, mm. So here's how it all happened. Here's a, a very descriptive layout of what happened. So the sisters had transferred to the Warm Springs train. Tashaya had walked in. And then a lady with a stroller that didn't see the other two sisters was backing out of the door. So she was pulling her stroller behind her. She wasn't 
like I don't know if she was looking or not, but she didn't see them. So she walked out. So she was going out as they were going. She was she was backing out of the door as the sisters were going in. Tashaya said that she kind of like jumped in because she was cold, and the other two sisters were not far behind her, just kind of waiting for this woman to back out with the stroller. Okay. Latifah then talks about how the baby was all cute, waving at Nia, who responded like, "Oh, hi, Molly, you're so cute." Um, the two sisters then proceeded onto the train, but Latifah heard what she described as like a punching noise, and then Nia fell forward. Then she felt a punch and jerked to the left. Uh, Nia then screamed Latifah's name, and then at this point, Latifah, you can see it in the CCTV footage that she, as she's getting on the train, she like looks behind her and to the left. Nia, Tashaya, and Latifah then exit the train. The lady with the baby threw a baby blanket over to Latifah, who could only think to apply pressure. Thankfully, this place had security guards, so the security guard went to Latifah, who at that moment didn't know that she was stabbed at all. And then police at the station then proceed to start gathering evidence, um, things that they can find on the platform itself. Um, they immediately call whoever they need to about the surveillance. And thankfully, the surveillance system had just been updated. So it was like brand new at the time. Okay. So they were automatically able to identify a 20 to 30 year old white male wearing a white T-shirt. This is where I was like, uh, no. So this is when the DA who is interviewed in this starts to just like lay everything out that they see on CCTV. So it begins when they first unknowingly encounter the man when they arrive at the BART station at 9 p.m. You can see on the surveillance that the man is like immediately, like he's basically standing on the rail by where the stairs are that the girls went up to get onto the platform. And immediately when he sees them, he starts following them. Like as soon as they basically indicate that they're going to get on the train he puts on a sweater he grabs his backpack and he follows so he sees them coming and automatically automatically targeted them them, yeah um so he gets on the train he sits ish 10 feet away it's a pretty empty train you can see on the surveillance that nia is kind of standing in the middle at the tail end of a little cart and the other two sisters are sitting spread apart in the back of the train so he then also follows them off of that train And it's like a platform across from each other. So we're talking like a train and I don't know, maybe 10 feet away that the other tracks for the other train and then like the stairs in the middle. So they get off the train and they walk around the corner and on the surveillance, as you can see, as they're making their way to the next train, you see him bend down, pull his right pant leg up and he pulls a knife out of like his sock or his shoe. And then he like tucks it under his sweater as he's walking behind them, holding it under his sweater. And you can like clearly see this. And there are people on the platform. Like there are people that are like walking past him. There's people that are getting on and off the the corresponding trains. Like there's. But nobody sees him do this. There he was like right next to a wall because it was like the the stairs that go down and like the top of the stairs is on the opposite end of as where he's at so there's the wall that's kind of blocking the stairs from where he's at but the the camera like sees him very very clearly do that so you can see him tuck it under his shirt and then he kind of like looks around he's checking to see if anybody sees him And then he follows the girls and he's basically behind them and he like picks up speed. And as Nia is stepping onto the train, he stabs her twice in the neck. And then he stabs Latifah in the neck once and tries to stab her a second time. But the momentum of his body moving forward, he he had missed. And that on the surveillance video is when you see Latifah you know, like run into the train and you see her looking back into the left and she's looking directly at this guy, like the back of his head, unfortunately. And he's wearing this big sweatshirt and sweatpants and he's like jogging away. How did he have like perfect aim to like just right into the I mess? have no just idea. Bam, bam, bam. I have no idea. Like with that many people too. It wasn't crazy the amount of people 
Um, but he did have to like kind of slightly jump around the lady with the stroller, mm-hmm. you know. But other than that, there really wasn't very many people. So then on the surveillance, you see this man jog a short distance and then he leaves the station. Of course, at this point, people are running, people are screaming. Um, he illegally exit the station. So like they have the, the spinny things that you scan or pay or whatever to get in. He jumps right over it. And about this time, so this is maybe 10 seconds later is when Nia is walking off of the BART on the surveillance video. You can see blood literally all over the platform. And I know that I had said in an episode before, I'm kind of judging when it comes to blood everywhere or a lot of blood, but there was like everywhere. And as the DA described, because he had to watch all of the surveillance footage, you know, you can't see it coming up, but you can see it dripping onto the floor and you can see that it is a lot of blood. Oh my God. Yeah. So 42 seconds after the attack, you can see the suspect running past police. So I'm assuming that given where this happened, um, basically on the street, at the station police are just kind of already there and one of them has a body cam on and you can see this guy on the body cam running past the police and he's like pointing saying something happened on the train station like you need to go up there running away from them oh my god yeah how does he not have like blood on his hands because when you if you were to stab somebody you're gonna have blood or a cut on your hand possibly from yourself But, I mean, imagine being the police officer. You have no idea what's happening. You just hear people start screaming at the train station outside of where you're at. And somebody's like, you know, he's probably not the only person that was like, hey, something just happened. Go up there. You know, and and Mm -hmm. he was wearing a big sweater that had pockets. So he could have very easily just put that hand in the pocket. I think he pointed with the hand that he did it with. But this was, like, watching the surveillance, so I'm not for sure. But, I mean, even still, you know. But the fact that the police weren't like, hey, stop, we're going to need, like, a statement or whatever. Like, that's kind of weird. But I guess at the time, they really just went off of, like, okay, people are screaming. This guy's running, saying you need to go over there. So, I don't know. He then jogged about a block to the BART parking structure. So it's like an outdoor parking garage. (laughs) Okay. So he appears on the cameras that are in the parking structure. When he's appearing on the cameras, he's already wearing a different color sweatshirt. He then puts the gray sweatshirt that he was wearing in his backpack that also contains his personal belongings and where the camera's pointed, I think it's like an elevator or something. There's like a little door. He basically like shoves his backpack in a corner, like around where the elevator is in this corner between like a wall and a fence. He then leaves that area and jogs further into the garage where he can, you can see him on CCTV, removes his shoes with his feet takes his sweatpants off and he's already wearing a pair of shorts underneath of his sweatpants. So that leads me to believe that he went there with intent to do something. Though. I mean, it seems, uh, yeah. I, I Like he, he had something in his head that told him, I'm going to go kill somebody today. This is where I'm going to do it. And I need to be able to yeah. get away with it or cover myself up or whatever. Because otherwise, why would he have multiple layers of clothes? Unless maybe he was, like, homeless or something and he was living out of his backpack, which is possible. But to me, it sounds like it was premeditated mm-hmm. that he had there with intent mm-hmm. of killing somebody and he was going to find a target when he got there to do Well, that. And, and, you know, he, yes, did think about these things before he did it. But the dumb, dumbest, dumbest criminals thing comes in with, did you really think that none of these places had security cameras? Like, did you really honestly think that the train and the train station did not have security cameras? In the parking garage, especially nowadays. I'm pretty much everywhere from like 2010 and beyond has security cameras. That's why there's not as many like home break-ins in neighborhoods anymore. I mean, I have it for that reason to deter people. Yeah, the parking garage having cameras was definitely interesting to me. Like, I guess it makes sense in a relatively populated area, but, like, 
I can't say that I've ever seen a parking garage with a bunch of cameras in it, but I also can't say it's that I've ever looked. There's a lot of people that are bu- that are doing public transportation like that is because they're leaving their car there all yeah. day. It's basically like a park and ride kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. So they're leaving their vehicle there all day long. So having the security is making sure that the cars are secure. Plus, you have weirdos coming in and out of the parking garages. People probably doing drugs in there. People sleeping in there and whatever. People so stabbing people and running there to change their clothes. I yeah, mean. Exactly. Yeah. So. So this, and and when I was watching this, it was, like, in the middle of the night, and my husband was kind of sleeping next to me, and he, like, woke up first. He woke up to my, like, verbal reaction. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what <laughs> in the actual fuck is this guy thinking? And then yeah. I showed it to him, and he was like, like, his initial response was, you really can't go anywhere, can you? And I was like, no, no you, can't. you can't. And, I mean, in case it was clear... It was unclear. It it does become important later. Nia, Tashaya, and Latifa are African American girls, and this is a white man. So hmm. he takes off his clothes, or he takes off his, his sweats. He's wearing shorts. He takes his shoes off. He then grabs his shoes, grabs his pants, and he's like doing this while kind of like jogging. And then you can see that he runs towards the exit of the garage, where he then basically like tosses his sweatpants like away from the door kind of further into the garage but not like hiding them or anything <sighs> mm, this guy so at this point this is figure somewhere in the realm of two minutes later at this point nia has already passed mm. so at ten forty p.m so basically about an hour after he's then seen on bus surveillance Uh, Telling the bus driver that he's injured. Um, In the Bay Area, I don't know if it's anything that's common anywhere else, but in the Bay Area, it is well known that if it's late at night and you're injured and you tell the bus driver, you can get a ride for free. So he tells the bus driver that he needs a ride wherever the hell he's trying to go, and he gets on the bus for free. And then he's gone. So the next day, so this is July 23rd, um, he is still at large. Authorities have since like immediately looked at all of the surveillance they've immediately got like they've got the description they know who it is yeah Yeah, so they find his backpack um within hours of this happening and guess what his fucking id is in the backpack His ID is in the fucking backpack. What a dummy. At least take your ID out of where all the evidence is. So, world's dumbest criminals, you thought ahead, sure, but you didn't think that far ahead to take your identification out of your backpack that you are going to leave somewhere. Oh my gosh, you premeditated the whole thing, except for except the idea. How to not get caught and tell the police who the fuck you are. Seriously. Wow. Seriously. So they of course look at the ID and they they can confidently say, Yep, this ID is this exact same person who's on the video. On the video. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at 12 30 PM, the police announce 27-year-old John Lee Cowell. So, surprise, he's a violent felon. In 2012, he was convicted of assault with a deadly weapon. In 2016, armed robbery, which he did go to jail for. And he was released, the DA said, maybe a couple of months before this assault. So, this wasn't his first time. Maybe this was just his first time actually succeeding in... Murdering someone. What was that? That one for that was for assault as well. Yeah, there was assault with a deadly weapon and armed robbery. And he, the DA, said that he did go to jail for the armed robbery, which is what he had just gotten out of jail for. But why didn't he go to jail for the assault? I don't. I don't know that he did or didn't. I didn't look into that too much. Um, He had just said in 2012 there was. I mean, he said he was convicted of assault with a deadly weapon. I think it was just important that 2016, so he was in jail for somewhere in the realm of two years and had just gotten out before this happened. Wow. 
Okay, so it seems like he was escalating them because mm-hmm. he had the arm burglary and mm-hmm. then he had the assault with the deadly weapon mm-hmm. and then he actually escalated to killing people. Well, the assault with the deadly weapon came first. That was in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then 2016 was armed robbery. So, I mean, obviously yeah. this guy doesn't have good intentions with any For of sure. his actions <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. So... By the afternoon of the next day, his image is everywhere. It's on the news. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. Everybody's sharing it. Everybody's, like, sending it to everybody. And one of the things that I thought was really cool about this is that, like, the next day, this had gotten out enough to the point that, like, marches were happening in the city of Oakland. Like, the next day. And they were using the hashtag, say her name. Um, celebrities were also using this hashtag. I I know I had seen, um, yeah, I think I had seen Jada Pinkett Smith posted something, Bruno Mars posted something. I know why it's because 2018 was when I was the first, was when I had gone back to school. So I was busy all the time in 2018, remember? Like Mm -hmm. I had to make plans in advance, like weeks in advance in order for you to be free to do Mm-hmm. anything because i was always doing homework always doing schoolwork always doing something yeah so that's probably why i either don't remember seeing it but i actually did because i was so bogged down with school mm-hmm. or i was so bogged was down with school that i didn't see it at all well and i remember seeing it like on the news and what i saw on the news was um it was Anne hathaway in particular was getting a lot of hate for what she had posted. So, um, I wrote down a... Anne Hathaway is, like, one of the sweetest people, where she at least seems to be one of the sweetest individuals. Well, and she got, from what I understand, she had gotten hate from not only the some of the Black community, but the white community as well. I wrote part of what she posted, but I'm just gonna find it really quick and read the whole thing, because it was, like... I personally agree with everything that she had said in this post. So that's just well, you me. Know how sensitive everybody is about everything these days. So. Yeah. So she had posted July 25th, 2018, the next day. Um, she had said, The murder of Nia Wilson, may she rest in the power and peace she was denied here, is unspeakable and must not be met with silence. She is not a hashtag. She was a black woman and she was murdered in cold blood by a white man. White people, including me, including you, must take into the marrow of our privileged bones the truth that all black people fear for their lives daily in America and have done so for generations. White people do not have equivalents for this fear of violence. Given those givens, we must ask our white selves, how decent are we really? Not in our intent, but in our actions, in our lack of actions. Peace and prayers and justice for Nia and the Wilson family. Note, the comments for this post are closed. And she got hate for that? I mean... That seems like such a loving, supportive statement. But think she about... Was being real about white people versus yes. black people and what happened to these people and what continues to happen to not not just black people, Asian people... Hispanic people, granted, yes, sadly, it does happen to more black people often than others, mm-hmm. but racism is just horrible. We all should agree that it's horrible and it's wrong and it's not okay on any level. And things like this continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And what she was saying is true. Us as white people should be aware of that. Us as white people should support them and be there for them and help be their voice. Yes. Not try to shut it down. Well, and I think, I mean, I'm probably going to get hate for this, okay? But think about think about all think about the the Black Lives movement. And think about how many white people of a certain demographic or in a certain geographic area hated what that was about. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Anne Hathaway just so that everybody is aware, I completely agree with that post. I don't think there was anything untruthful about that post at all. But mm-hmm. She, I, I could wholeheartedly understand and see how some people took that as her attacking them. Because she's pr- 
privilege because white right well and it was i i would like to think and i didn't you know i apologize i didn't do a whole lot of research into who exactly it was but i would like to think not that i would like to think i think that it was more white people attacking her than black people but i could also see people of any race being like well you're not black you don't know what you're talking about you know you're not black you can't speak on the way that black people feel at all and the white people coming back and saying you know you're slamming all white people you don't know me you don't know what i do and don't do like you know Mm -hmm. and i see that from both sides like we as white people we will never understand Mm -mm. the level of racism that black people asian people hispanic people endure every day we can never understand that there's absolutely no way that we can put ourselves in their shoes but we can Mm -hmm. support them and we can love them Mm -hmm. most people generally are coming from a loving place i can however say and of course this is in no way and a comparison but as women, we also deal with certain level of, yep. um, it's not racism, it's judgment. Yeah. Right? It, just as women in general. Mm-hmm. Not because we're white, but just because we're women. But now imagine being an African-American woman or an exactly. Asian woman. So, like, I can't even, I can't even imagine it. Just like with what happened to George Floyd, which is absolutely horrendous. Things like that are not okay. But they're also not uncommon. Yeah, it's... No human being should ever mistreat another human being on any level. You should not kill them because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or their gender or their gender identity or their Mm -hmm. sexual identity. Mm -hmm. For any reason, we all should just kumbaya, (laughs) love each other, accept each other, and we all could live such a happy peaceful life if we yeah. did that but sadly not everybody thinks that way and in this case if he if he was or wasn't racist obviously it's gonna appear that way because he's a white man attacking two young beautiful i'm assuming very beautiful black women. i mean it would have been three if tishaya hadn't jumped onto the train i'm imagining and if it wasn't clear to our listeners if you are black white blue purple asian hispanic Native American, gay, gay, straight, straight, bi, trans, they, them, it don't matter. Like, you are accepted, you are loved, we support everyone and everything wholeheartedly, and, you know, I mean, as a white, Hispanic, Native American woman, like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Heinz 57, I'm a jumble of all sorts of stuff, you know, I can't, I don't think that I can consciously say you know, I'm, I am Latina. I am Native American because I look like a white woman. I present as a white woman. I speak like a white woman. I don't, I can understand some Spanish. I can't speak it, but because those are parts of me, you know, I can see and I acknowledge outside of me how bad it is. And, you know, me personally, it'll come later. The MMIW, Missing and Murdered Indigenous People, what well, Indigenous Women and People Movement is, it's got my soul and there will be stuff coming for that later. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. Yeah. I'm actually Native myself, my, um, from my dad's side. I don't look. Girl, like you I'm look Native white. At all. <laughs> I at least I got a lot of hair. my. I got a lot of my more white European genes probably from my mom's side, mm-hmm. but my grandfather was native. Um, I never knew my grandfather, but I mean, when you look at my dad, um, pictures of my dad, you look at pictures of my brother from my dad, mm-hmm. it's very odd, obvious yeah. that, they're, that they're part native. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to know that part of my heritage. And obviously, again, just like you, I don't look native so I can't fully identify is that I can acknowledge my heritage mm-hmm. and I can appreciate that heritage and I could want to be part of that. But again, that's nowhere near on the same level of somebody like people that are mixed. Mm-hmm. They're always going to look more African-American versus. Yep. You're always, not always, you are more often than not going to be able to tell if someone is of African-American descent or mm-hmm. not. So they're going to be treated a certain way, sadly. Yeah. And that makes it really easy to target them. And, you know, like, it, it it breaks my heart. Like, I 
I've never, I cannot ever recall having a racist thought in my head. I mean, before I can, I think the the most racist thing, I was like five. I was like five years old and I got into this fight with this other little girl that I was playing with. I don't, I don't know what she said to me. She didn't, and her dad didn't say what I had said to her, but I had called her. I think I, I think my mom said I had called her an ugly chocolate popsicle or something, which <laughs> I mean, and, but you were a kid, so you meant an yeah, actual chocolate and my popsicle. mom, yeah. my mom and I have had lots of conversations about that, and like I was like five. I mean, there's there's no denying that her skin is darker than mine. There's no denying that a vanilla popsicle or a banana popsicle looks completely different than a fudge sickle, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah. And and as an adult, even as a teenager or a child, from what I can recall, like, I've never thought anything different of them. But unfortunately, somehow there is a huge group of people that just does. And it it, it doesn't make sense to me. I have family members that are that are blocked, are, that are black, and I love them. And I would, just like anybody else in my life, I would give my life for them. But I can tell you, if I... I've thankfully never been in this situation but if i was in a situation where i saw someone being racist towards another human being i would speak up absolutely i don't, I don't know if i could be one of those people that could be like oh it's not in my, in my business i'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. that goes to kind of what she was saying as white people we need to stand up for them and we need to intervene and we need to make it known that this isn't okay so if i ever saw that i don't i could not live with myself if i didn't stick up for them if i were there I would have been that one person if I saw that, if I saw that happen and people did see like the woman with her baby, what are you going to do? Leave your fucking baby at the train station, chase a guy down the stairs with a stroller. No, you're not. If I was there and I saw that, I would have followed that guy. I would have fucking followed him. Come at me with the fucking knife. Come on, let's go beat your ass okay and you know if i was able to follow i would have tried to of course follow from a distance but if i followed him and he passed a police officer i would be like this fucking guy did it arrest him right now he fucking did it go after him nobody had anyone followed this man out even from a distance passing the police officers you should still do it in a way where you're not putting your own life at risk but enough to where you can at least try to help the situation on even on the smallest level right you know well and it goes into what we've said in our last you know especially in our last episode this is a con these are conversations what i would do i'm not telling you to do that i'm not telling anybody to do that yeah. you if do you don't feel safe don't do anything yeah you <laughs> do what you feel safe with doing um part of me as a person hi my name is Alyssa. i take no shit i call it how it is I say what's on my mind. This is very true. <laughs> and that's just... This is her. This is one of the reasons why I love her. <laughs> seriously, that's just who I am. And there is no situation. Because in my mind, race does not matter. If if that were a white woman, if Nia was white, if she, you know, with her being black, if she was native, if she was... I, I don't care. And I was I was in a position or able to follow this guy from a distance because help on any level yeah yeah. because he in the surveillance video he seemed less because there was a crowd of people not like a huge crowd but there were there were people that were running away and you know sure maybe a good number of these people didn't see what happened they just heard people screaming and started running away from it because i mean what would anybody do in a situation like that but if any single person had seen this guy and, you know, walked past the same officer and seen him at a distance and been like, that guy just did something. That guy did something, you know. But unfortunately, that isn't what happened. And and I, I don't think ill on any of the people that were there because I obviously wasn't in that situation. Well, yeah. And you don't know until you're in that situation. Like, we can sit here all day and say, I would do this. I would do that. But realistically, we you don't know. truly don't know 100% right. until you're put into a situation. I can tell you I have been in some situations where I've had to step out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But until something actually happens, you don't really know for sure. But if you have the ability to step in on a level that makes you safe for yourself, then you should do it. If you have the ability and your body and your mind allows you to do that. Well, and thankfully in this situation, they had identifying information 
on this cowl individual the same day because he was, I mean, wholeheartedly in every way, shape, and form stupid, but left his ID at somewhere <laughs> the scene. It, yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. Like, anyway, we could go on and on about that. We really could. <laughs> so, 5.30 p.m., July 23rd, so still the next day, um, Oakland residents, Nia's family and her friends gather at the MacArthur station. There's roughly somewhere about a thousand people. So, get this. Okay. Dumb criminals number two. So at 5.47 p.m. on the 23rd, the police get an anonymous tip um, from someone that is currently on a train that is going to the MacArthur Station. So obviously, if you have a, a popular, more just like commuter train in your area, it takes multiple stops in multiple points in the city. But this train in particular, you know, goes to the MacArthur Station among other stops. This anonymous caller says that the man that they've been looking for has been on the train with her for at least the last four stops. Um, and he's on his way to Oakland back to the MacArthur station. So at 6 PM, roughly 15 minutes later, police are waiting at the MacArthur station where mind you, there is a vigil being held for Nia. And all of this is like the next day. That's how, that's how big this was in Oakland. Yeah. So police are waiting at that station where her family and her friends and random people are at. They don't see Cowell. So they assume that he had to have gotten off somewhere. Thankfully, these train systems are relatively not too complicated. There's only so many trains that you can get on on so many routes. So they know that they, they know an intercepting train line and they immediately call it in. So at 627, about four stations away from the MacArthur station, going in a different direction than that primary train, police, you can see police body cam footage that shows the moment he's seen on the train. Now, if you've ever been on a train like that, that's been stopped by here, they're called transit police. Generally, what happens is the train stops, the doors don't open, you're told over the intercom that you are not to leave until these transit police or whatever have made their rounds. Sorry, dog bell in the background. Dog mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see him sitting basically in front of the door, and then a police officer comes from the other side of the train, or the other side of the train cart, and then he's brought out. <laughs> He, as he comes out, I think it skips a little bit. They immediately put him in handcuffs and he says, what happened? As they're putting the handcuffs on him. He then oh, verifies to, uh, yeah, he then verifies to the police his name and he's put into custody because he says, yeah, my name's John Cowell. <laughs> Alicia, Nia's mom says, he's lucky we didn't see him. All of my brown brothers and sisters wouldn't have brought him back alive if we saw him because he was like going he was at least on the train that was going to pass where this vigil was being held for her like he would have at least been on the train riding past it just kind of like that returning back to the scene of the crime yeah exactly so nia's family and at this point as well as the community have been pressuring the justice system um, the DA was interviewed on this episode, and he talks about the struggle with not only charging him with murder, but charging him with a hate crime as well. The family, the community, and the police do believe that it was a hate crime. When he was in custody, he engaged with a black female deputy, calling her racial slurs, yelling at her like he went out of his way to engage with her. Um, the attorney <sighs> said... Yeah. The attorney said there was no doubt that the assault was racially motivated. However, can they prove that? So the DA advised the family that the best way for him to make sure that Mr. Cowell is put away is to charge him with murder and lying and waiting. And that's one thing with our justice system that I think is 
potentially faulty in that if he was also charged with a hate crime and he was not for some reason found guilty of said hate crime would he then be not guilty of the other ones like i i I was having a hard time understanding why what i don't understand that either yeah like why not put that on there because he would still be charged with murder attempted murder and lying and waiting i mean there, there there's no way to deny that he murdered her whether he planned it or not which i mean there was obviously a level of planning of yeah course. so yeah. but like why not put that on there to let a jury of his peers decide if decide that if, was a hate yeah. crime or not but i mean well, he, the thing is we need to have more record of hate crimes racial crimes sexual crimes yeah um gender crimes we need to have that more documented because it happens way more than it is and this is obviously an example of that he should have been charged with both Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just the murder but was it a circumstance where they couldn't do the murder and that at the same time but there has to be a way if that's part of it then whoever committed that crime needs to be charged for it right because it needs to be on the books for those things happening. Well, and as the DA in said... In order for things to change. As the DA said, and I don't think he... I, I know that he... I'm, I'm pretty sure he's African-American himself as well. Mm-hmm. There's there's no doubt in my mind that he did not have any kind of ill intent on not charging him with that. He The way he put it is is genuinely just... I want to make sure that this guy gets, gets put away. And I cannot prove that this was in fact a hate crime. Which I definitely want to look into what makes something a hate crime versus not because in my mind several people walked up and down those stairs i mean people of different races people of different colors people of different ages and he targeted those girls specifically whether Mm -hmm. that was because of their race because of their age because of whatever it you know like he targeted three african-american young women so there's no doubt in my mind, and he even said there's no doubt in his mind that the assault was racially motivated. However, he was not sure that yeah. they would be able to prove it. So this this fucking guy. The fucking insanity, please. So he then starts claiming before trial, he claims insanity with prior mental health issues. Now there is records of him having mental health issues what they are was undefined or or you know what that's everybody's cop out everybody tries to claim that exactly pretty sure every person ever that's committed murder or hate or some type of violent crime of some kind mm-hmm. has tried to say oh it's because i have mentally unstable yes of course there are people that are mentally unstable you have to have something fucked up with your head to fathom or think of doing these things to another human being. Mm-hmm. Of course there's something wrong with you. However, that's everybody goes to. So it gets frustrating that that's overshadowed by with what they actually did. Especially the incidents where it's racially or sexually motivated. Well, this guy. Hold on. There's more to this guy. So February 2020, 19 months after the attack, he starts to go on trial. He claims innocence on means of insanity. Um, during the trial, he becomes combative. He would talk about everything before the incident, but he refused to talk about and refused to answer any questions regarding the stabbing. Uh, the DA d- was going to play the footage of what happened to prove that he knew what he was doing. And Cowell began cursing him, saying that the DA knew that he was innocent, yelling and basically being disruptive to the court. And the DA says Cowell was trying to demonstrate mental insanity. So, side note, DAs are responsible for listening to all jail calls, is what he said. So, Cowell was talking, I think he was saying that he was primarily, if not exclusively, talking to his aunt. And he was literally talking about the things that he was going to do in trial. Like, he was referencing this medication that these mental health specialists had prescribed him. And he said like quote on call that he was going to stop taking his medication that was prescribed to him so that he appeared crazier. So like, Oh yeah, I'm going to plead insanity 
but I'm a dumb criminal, so obviously these calls while I'm in jail aren't listened to or recorded, and I'm going to talk to my family about how my whole crazy plan is that I'm just not going to take my mental health medication so that I act crazy when I'm in trial so that people believe me and don't convict me of being a fucking murderer. So people actually believe that I'm crazy. I mean, there's no doubt that this guy is mentally not okay. That's pretty clear. Yeah. Don't think you need to t- not take your medication to prove that. <laughs> yeah, is he mentally not okay enough to not know what he did and not know what he was planning? Probably not. I think. I mean, I think it's pretty clear if he wasn't taking his medication when he was on the call that he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, John Lee Cowell was convicted of murder and lying in wait for Nia. And he was also convicted for attempted murder of Latifa. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. So, Mr. Cowell, it did not work. You failed. Oh, failed miserably. Yeah. I mean... Sadly, he accomplished his goal of taking people's lives, but he did not accomplish his goal of trying to look... More insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, thankfully, the family does believe that justice was served. Um, but, of course, they all acknowledge that that is not going to bring, and it does not bring Nia back. Uh, 400 people came to her memorial. It was including the mayor of Oakland. Wow. She was dressed in gold, and she had a white casket. Uh, She had a carriage ride after the memorial to her burial site. Her father talked about how he was extremely distraught after this happened and ended up suffering a stroke, which they believe was a result of the stress and emotional turmoil that he was under. Um, He does, however, live with his uh, therapy dog, a husky who is adorable. He says, he says, she keeps me on my toes. She makes me take her on walks. Like, she makes me take care of her while she takes care of me. It was great. How cute. Latifa, her older sister, is thankful to be alive, but she does talk about how she wishes that it was her. I mean, as an older sister, I, I can't even imagine. Like, and, you know, she's talking about how she is constantly living with the worry that she did something wrong she's like i i was only trying to help her and what if i hurt her you know i was i was only trying to help her i mean i think it's common knowledge someone has an open wound it's bleeding you put pressure and that's what she did so you know it's heartbreaking she to did see what she thought was the best in that situation it's I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. And I can tell you for me, I've, I've lost three siblings, as you know. Mm-hmm. Two of them were younger than me. And um, both of my little brothers both passed away tragically. And I have an older sister that passed away tragically. And I can definitely relate to the level of wishing it was you. Yeah. Especially for one of my brothers who has four children and a wife. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. So I would literally trade my life for him. For my other brother and for my sister in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. Granted, of course, I know people would miss me too and people would be hit by that as well. But as a sibling. It feels greater for the loss for them than it yeah, does for you. Yeah. It's, it's just a whole different level. So I can't imagine feeling that way because I relate to that on so much on top of watching it happen, trying to help her. Also being attacked yourself. And yeah, and then having that happen to you as well. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of trauma and emotions and feelings to have to try to process for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I feel for her a lot. I really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, one of my siblings had, she, she, she was attacked. And I mean, I remember, thankfully she's still, she's fine. She's alive. But I mean, I remember the anger that I felt at the person that did it, you know, and now that it's been a few years, I don't understand. I never will understand, but there's the thank that, that she's still here, that she's fine. But I mean, if I were there, I would have absolutely put myself in front of her in any way that I Mm -hmm. possibly could have. And I would do that for my siblings in a heartbeat. And well, when it comes to your siblings, like the bond, 
with your siblings is, I mean, they're your first friend. Mm -hmm. They're, they're the only one that understands what you grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. They're the only ones that it makes sense. Yeah. They know every trauma. They know every weird thing your parents did or everything your parents did that made you mad. Mm -hmm. Or they know all the secrets that you kept between your siblings that you didn't tell your parents or your family members. Like your siblings literally know everything about you as a person to it's very fucking core and there's Mm -hmm. nothing i mean each relationship we have with everybody in our life is unique obviously and your siblings is definitely a part of that and it's a very special relationship and that's why a lot of people always want to have at least two plus children so that you always have that person for the rest of your life and then to have that taken away Mm -hmm. well and even in their family she was the youngest of nine so yeah you know, they they have seven other siblings around them, but that doesn't doesn't take away from it's her, not the though, same because she yeah. was still her. Exactly. She was still her for mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. you know. So Alicia, Nia's mother, talks about um, how, you know, you, you your name is, is is what precedes you. Your name is is, you know, what you live for and. She says that now she lives by Nia's name. You know, now she has Nia's name that she carries with her. It's an unfortunate, you know, tragic thing that happened to her. But, you know, her sister Latifah had said that Nia would want to be remembered for how she loved and cared about people. Her passion for rights for everybody. And that, I feel like, seems very clear in the way the family talks about them carrying themselves with her name attached to them in that you know they wanted justice for their child for their daughter for their sister for their friend but they want justice for everybody you know what i thought was really sweet was answer their father said at the end of it you know we've been through a lot but we will make it we're gonna make it you know it it it's rough it's terrible but we're going to get through it and, you know, and, and that's a, a... As long as they have each other to go through it and they always talk about her, always reminisce about her, feel whatever they need to feel. Like, that's something that I've, I've recognized with myself and with anybody else I know that's going through grief. Because grief is never ending. Mm-hmm. It's a roller coaster. You go through it for the rest of your life. Sadly, we all have to go through it throughout life and it's probably the hardest thing we will all ever have to deal with so it's a roller coaster so i always say when you're feeling whatever you're feeling allowed yourself to feel it because that's the only way you're going to get through it and if you're around or have the ability to be around to the other people that love that individual on the same capacity that you did that's how you get through it without that same support or the people that know exactly how you feel it's a lot harder. So you really have to lean on each other to be able to process that grief. So it's good that they have all these siblings. So there's not one person that's being left out in their grief. Well, and they had talked to early on in the episode about how their parents weren't together, but they did a very good job of keeping the family unit. You know, I mean, they obviously were communicating. They I wouldn't say that they did like family events together, but they were conscious of each other and, and, you know, obviously acknowledged like, okay, we have kids together. We got to, you know, they were co-parenting. We got to do this right, you know? So as we normally do, we want to give a moment of silence for the victim in this crime, which is Nia Wilson, who, as her mom said, you know, is always going to be associated with the hashtag say her name. Um, as she said, I'm all about what this movement is for. I wish my daughter wasn't the poster child for it, but fully supportive of it. So we're going to give a moment of silence for Nia Wilson, who tragically passed in this crime. Well, that's going to conclude this episode. Um, 
I want to say, Destiny, we missed you, but hopefully she will we be. Love you. Yeah, hopefully she will be on the next one. Um, anybody that you know comments or shares, just give Destiny some love. She really needs it, um, and we will. All kinds of love. Yeah, and we will talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Crime Convo Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, Pandora, Amazon, and Radio Public. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Crime Convo Podcast. You're welcome to contact us with your reviews, comments, concerns, and suggestions at crimeconvopodcast at gmail.com.